0: Well, good morning and welcome to MCC. Glad you guys are here. If we haven't a chance to meet yet, my name is Trent and it's an honor to be the lead pastor here at MCC. We are in this series where we're leaning into how healthy, God-honoring habits can change our lives and they have the power to not just transform kind of what we see on the outside but also to transform what is going on on the inside. But Today I want to have a little bit of fun with you guys as we start out, because habits, they do have this ability to transform things. And so what I wanted to show you is a few different pictures, uh, some things that you may be able to relate to, some things that you uh, may have never seen before in your life that show this transformational power that is in something done repeatedly over and over and over again. Um, First one we'll show is this. Check this out. So here on the left... You see a stuffed animal, and it's a normal looking stuffed animal. It's a new stuffed animal. And then on the right, you see a stuffed animal that has years and years and years, basically a whole child's childhood worth of being held, of being drugged through the mud, of being dropped in McDonald's parking lot. And that's what it looks like, like a completely different thing. On one side, you don't really even know what kind of animal that is. On the other side, it looks like something that you would not let your kid touch if they saw it on a shelf at Walmart. So, Having and holding something for a long period of time it transforms it. We'll see another one. You may have to look in real close here. Did anybody have this pillowcase growing up? This is a Star Wars pillowcase. All right, any Star Wars people sit here? Any like big Star Wars fans? Okay, cool, good for you. I've never seen it. Um, so you have a Star Wars pillowcase, and and aren't, isn't it weird how pillowcases have this strange ability to just become disgusting? It's like what are you? What are we doing in our sleep that? makes things get that gross. Um, are, are, have you ever done the thing where you actually take the pillowcase off and you see the pillow? And That's uh, yeah, gross, isn't it? Thank God for pillowcases. Um, but anyways, this is a Star Wars pillowcase, and, and that's one that's been slept on for years and years and years and years, had the habit of being slept on, and then you see the new one that was never taken out of the package that is now a collectible. Um, so that's, that's that. Uh, let's see another one. Anybody, can anybody guess whose guitar this is? Who said Willie Nelson? You said Willie Nelson. Look at you, Mike Windsor, one of our elders, who's a big Willie Nelson fan. You know, it's, you know the guitar's name? Trigger. Trigger is the name of Willie Nelson's guitar, and that is Willie Nelson's guitar that he still plays. Um, obviously, he's had the habit of playing, leading, and doing other things that Willie Nelson does. And you can tell it's been weathered. It's been worn, and it's been transformed from this guitar that looked very new when it was at that store wherever he bought it from. And now it looks like that has a story to tell though. Last one I'll show you is this one. This one's kind of weird. You may not be able to fully see this, um, but this picture is a picture of what is St. Peter. It's a, it's a statue of St. Peter. It's in Rome. It's at the St. Peter Basilica. And one of the things that is um, a custom is for people to go by, and you can see it in kind of that bottom picture right there, and to actually rub the feet. And so at some point, the the sculptor who made this, they obviously did not make uh, St. Peter's feet uh, looking uh, deformed and as weird as they look right there. But from years and years of people walking by, rubbing St. Peter's feet for good luck, for blessing, for whatever, um, because that helps, um, rubbing his feet, they have gotten that way. And one of the things that also people do, um, and maybe this is what makes it um, as worn down as it is, hopefully because people are wiping it off after it happens, Um, but one of the habits is that people will actually walk by and they will kiss St. Peter's feet, which feet are already gross to me, Um, and so when you think about kissing them and kissing them after everybody else just touched them, it's kind of a disgusting thing to think about, but they look drastically different. Anybody's toes look like that right there? That's kind of what you're... No, hopefully not, but the reality is this idea and this reality in life that habits have the power to transform things is not just something we see in creation. It's also something we see in God's word. If you've got a Bible, one of my favorite verses ever uh, is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Paul is writing to the church in Rome and he's telling them this, this simple but profound truth. He says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer up your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and and proper worship then verse 2, profound. He says, do not, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So again, when he's talking about a pattern there, he's saying there is a habitual thing. There is an over and over again, repeated flow of events that is the pattern of this world. He says, do not conform to that. The world isn't just operating at random. The world is operating systematically. The world has a pattern to it, and you will either fall into it, or you can be transformed out of it. And this is what he says in the last half of verse 2. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. See, that renewing of your mind, that is why we're talking about this series. That, that is why we're leaning into habits. That's why we're spending four weeks talking about this. Because a renewal of your mind will not happen by you coming in and sitting in church once or twice and then going out. A renewal of your mind will not happen like even Colin talked about by dropping a five dollar in the offering as it goes by. A renewal of your mind will not come from working at a food pantry once a week. It will not come from just, you know, I'm going to maybe read my Bible two or three times this year. A renewing of our mind happens through God-honoring habits. He says, then, then, once you have renewed that mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is so many times people wonder well I just want to know what God's will is for my life I want to know I want to know I want to know well listen the only way we can know what God's will is for our life is if we have truly a renewed mind otherwise we're just going to be thinking hey well that's God's will for my life but you're going to be looking at it through the wrong mind a mind that is still operating under the procedures and the patterns that are of this world because there's a good and pleasing and perfect will that God has for all of us but one of the Foundational truths I want to lean in today, and if you're taking notes, you can even write this down, It's this, is that most and much of what we do is not a result of conscious choice. Most of what we do is not a result of conscious choice, but it is a daily habit. So much of what you did, your last normal, think about your last normal day at work. If you're a stay-at-home parent, uh, that is a work day and you deserve a raise. Think about what you did. For most of us, it wasn't drastically different than the last normal workday before that. You got up, you brushed your teeth, you went in, you kind of were on autopilot in the car. You didn't really even have to think about where you went. You just went there, you did your thing, and, you, and, and that was how it operated. Duke University in 2006, they did this study on habits. And what they found was that, on, that 40% of the things that we do on a daily basis, 40% of the things we do on a daily basis... of those things are habits. 40% of what we do on a daily basis, we put no conscious effort or thought into. It was just us operating out of what we've always done. And so that's why if you want to change what's going on in your life, I believe that we have to actually change the habits that are going on in our life. And so today, I want to take us back to that foundational truth that we leaned into last week. We we talked about this idea that um, successful people do uh, consistently what normal people do occasionally, but we made this very clear in here is that this is not um, a a self-help seminar. This is a place where we come in and we figure out gospel principles to apply to our life. And we said that if we're Christians, what God hasn't called us to is to a life of success, but what God has called us to is to faithfulness. They said, I'm not after you being successful, as the world would define success. I'm after you being faithful. And we made the point very clear that for us, if we're, if we're going to say we're followers of Christ, that the only way we can live a successful life is to be faithful to Christ. We made it very clear that when we talk about, okay, well, how do I remain faithful to Christ? I don't remain faithful to Christ, and the success in my life doesn't depend on my ability to be wholeheartedly faithful to him. To do the right thing, say the right thing, think the right thing, have the right moral obligations, vote the right day, do all the things the right way. That the basis for my ability to be faithful to Christ is leaning in to his faithfulness, primarily so on display through his finished work On the cross. And so what does my faithfulness to Christ depend on? Last week we said, and I'll say it again this week. My ability to be faithful to Christ depends on his faithfulness to me. The fact that he never leaves me. The fact that he never forsakes me. That despite me walking through a valley of shame and darkness and fear and regret. He is always there. And so today... What I wanted to do is we, it was, we kind of turn a corner and we've got this baseline understanding of, of who we want to be. And that's where our habits start. It's about not about what I want to do, but it's about who I want to become. What I want to do, if Jesus is that bedrock, that foundational truth that flows from where our faithfulness to God would become. And what would lead us to actually have a successful life. And again, success defined from a Christian perspective is faithfulness to Jesus. I want to look at his life. I want to look and lean into who Jesus was and the habits that he had. So if you would, I invite you to just bow your heads and pray as we look into a time where we see Jesus, see who he is, that he, who he really was, would speak into where you are right now and who you really are. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the reality that You were not just God. But you put flesh and bone on. And you were simultaneously 100% a human being. You are 100% one of us. And I pray that we can lean into the things you did while you walked the same streets we walk. While you talked the same words we talked. While you felt the same things we felt. And while you tried to do everything possible to stick to the mission that you had been given. So help us. We all came from different places. Uh, We all need to start different things to end different things. But Jesus, I pray that we get a true glimpse of who you are today. In your name. Amen. So what I want to do is spend a little bit of time taking a look at some of the habits that Jesus had. These are habits that I believe solidified his ability to carry out the mission that his father gave him. I believe that these habits are things that solidified his success in the salvation mission that God sent him on. If you got a Bible, you can go to Luke. That's where we're going to be. A decent amount of our time today is, is in Luke. You may be able to even tap into some of the things. If you're, if you're not new here, we spent... 16 weeks uh, this past fall going through the Gospel of Mark and leaning into who Jesus is. And um, Man, there's probably things that you even know and have experienced through this that you can apply in here. But I want to lean into some specific habits that Jesus had. And talk about how these habits, when taken on by Jesus' followers, us, have the potential to radically change lives. First one is this. It's in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. At this point... In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is a grown man. He can do what he wants to do. This isn't Jesus going uh, to the temple kind of under his parents' guard and and saying, hey, you know, go do your thing. This is Jesus as a grown-up. In Luke 4.16, it says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. As was his custom. What that word implies there, as his custom, that implies that that was Jesus' habit. That Jesus, as a grown individual male, chose to perpetually go into the temple and have time to do corporate type of worship, what was their equivalent of church. Now, at first you may look at that and be like, well, of course, yeah, Jesus went to church. But understand this. Man, there are so many people who check out of church because they go, oh, well, they're just hypocrites. Some of you have left churches Because someone did something that made you wrong. Or a preacher said something that kind of rubbed you the wrong way. Imagine Jesus. Literally God in flesh. Walking into these churches. Like you think you're a good judge of what was a good church experience. This is God. And he shows up at these church experiences. And and despite the fact that he was God. He still implements this habit of going to the place and gathering together with people, observing the Sabbath, worshiping, taking time to actually, and this is one of the things that's habitual in here too, is if you continue on in that verse, what Jesus is actually going and doing there, as it was his custom, he's not just going and just kind of sitting you know, in the back with a scorecard going, oh, that's not how we told him to do it, God, they're just screwing this thing up, and that's wrong, that's wrong, oh, really, you're going to say that? I know what you did last week. That's not what he's doing. Jesus is there at at this temple, at this worship experience, and he has an active role. He's reading scripture, like part of the the worship experience. He he had a role in it. Which I would say, for us, man, if we're going to implement and follow after the habits of Jesus, being in church consistently is a huge part of that. Showing up, saying, "I, I don't know what my week was like. Man, it would be easy just to go to the beach. Today is like the only sunny day for like the next 53 days. Like, thank you for showing up. Like, you could have done a million different things today because the sun is actually out. It's not going to, I don't know when the sun's going to come out again. You chose to be indoors. Way to go. So he showed up. But it didn't just stop there. Jesus said, I'm not just going to show up. I'm going to actually have a part in this. I'm going to actually have a role. into which I would say to you, man, if you're you're here and you show up, great. Step one, way to go. But if we want to be like Christ and implement some of his habits in our own life, We have to take an active role in what is church. What is a worship experience? What is collective gathering? Maybe for you it means finding a place to serve this year. Maybe for you it means, man, I'm going to actually join into a life group. We're going to be launching life groups two weeks from now, and and we're going to be diving in to what is this fall semester of groups. Man, if you're not in that, you don't have an active role participating in this. These rows are awesome, but if all you do is come in here and you sit and you get some stuff and you go out, then you have only become... A consumer, not a participant, and I would say Jesus didn't have a habit of consuming church. He didn't have a habit of grading church. He didn't go in and say, "Well, that sermon was good. That one had more jokes in it. I laughed at that one, and that one really made me feel convicted." Jesus said, "I'm going to be an active participant." Another one of the passages I love that highlights some of Jesus' habits is Luke five sixteen. Luke five sixteen. I honestly like this one better than the other one. Maybe it's because as I grow older, I become more of an introvert. Luke 5.16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That word lonely places sometimes is translated as the wilderness. If you read throughout the Gospels, you go you know, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you see over and over again is Jesus had this practice, this habit, of on a reoccurring basis, and again, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And what I want you to mit- not miss in this, is Jesus is, the habit here is not just going to pray. The habit is in what it was like at the place where he went to pray. It's the solitude. And man, that is a huge thing in our society. And some of you are terrified of silence. If I walked into your house, there would be constant noise. There would always be at least four screens on at any particular time. The fear machine of whatever, CNN, Fox News, whatever, would constantly be in the background. At least that's what it's like at my grandma's house. <laughs> and, we're, and we're just going through, and we fall asleep with it on. But Jesus understood something that I, I think is huge for us, and it's that I have got to withdraw And in our society, it's a hard thing to say, man, I want to get completely away. But here's the deal. Jesus knew that when he extrapolated himself from everyone else, that was the place where he could be fully reminded that he was not alone. And I think some of us, man, we fear those moments where we get alone into solitude because we think, oh, man, that's just going to be a reminder of how alone I am. No, 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 no. That is a reminder. And it should give you an encounter with the one person who would never ever leave you alone. To lean into who he is. To experience him as a father. And so maybe for you, man, a habit. Hey, and again, you won't be able to do it in the next couple of weeks. But I think there is a huge part to this that is finding the right place. And the outdoorsman in me would say, if you're able to get outside and spend time with Jesus, I just happen to believe you're actually at an advantage. Because you surround yourself with his creation. You're further away from, his, from the world's distractions. So we see Jesus implement this habit. There was a bunch of other habits. I wish I had time to dive into all of them. It's a fascinating thing to look at. But a few of his other ones that I love is that Jesus had a habit of defending children over and over again. He prioritized kids in society where they were overlooked. He said, no, 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 let them come to me. I am a rabbi, but yes, I want to pray with those kids. I want to, I want to bless those kids. Yes, I am tired. I would love to have a nap but I want to talk to these kids. I want to pray with these kids. He had a habit of serving people. He had a habit of hanging out with people that you and I would probably overlook and overpass. He hung out with outcasts. He had a habit of using God's word as a weapon, as a weapon against evil, Satan, and temptation, but also against the evil that was inside the human heart of the religious elite. He had a habit of confrontation. He was more than willing to do whatever it took. He'd put a whip together. He'd flip over tables. Jesus was not a peacekeeper. Jesus was a peacemaker. And he knew something that some of us fail to realize is that you cannot be a, peace, a peacemaker without entering into some confrontation sometimes. And we're not called to be peacekeepers. We're called to be peacemakers. And he understood that. And he habitually confronted things to make peace, not to just keep it. Along with that, one of my favorite habits i'm trying to do a better job at implementing is that he perpetually recruited and built disciples everywhere he went he was he was training up new disciples he was sending them out on things he was passing off leadership he was uh, walking along beaches he was pulling crowds together now sometimes he'd pull a big crowd of disciples together and they he would say something crazy like eat my flesh drink my blood and they'd be like we're out of here this is crazy But of all those habits, my favorite scene where we see one of Jesus' habits fully on display happens in Luke chapter 22. If you've got a Bible, I'd invite you to turn there and see it firsthand. Luke chapter 2, verse 39. Luke chapter 22, verse 39, we see Jesus coming out of what was the Passover meal. And he's getting ready to enter in to this Garden of Gethsemane moment. And this is a moment where if you've been around church, you've seen, you know the scene where, where Jesus falls down on the ground and he's, he's sweating drops of blood. And this is the night that he's going to be handed over into the religious elite's hands and he's going to be put on this fake trial. And then the following morning he's going to be flogged and whipped and then he's going to be put on a cross and he's going to give his life. But the night before, we see one of his habits fully on display. Luke twenty two thirty nine 39 says, Jesus went out. As usual. As usual. As usual. To the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. And maybe you've read this verse and you never picked this up in here, but the whole reason Judas and the religious leaders plan worked was because of Jesus' habits. He went out as usual. Again, who was not there? Who was not in the garden? Judas. But Judas was so close to Jesus that he knew and understood his habits. And he knew without fail, at night, Jesus is going to the garden of Gethsemane and he's going to go pray and he's going to go with his father. The thing that was a little different is more often than not, Jesus was probably doing this without any other disciples. The whole time that they were in Jer- Jerusalem, during the Passover week, it says that Jesus made it this habit to go and essentially camp out in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so Jesus, uh, Judas just, you know, he plays the odds because they are incredibly in his favor. And he says, I'm going to give you guys this money. I'm going to tell you exactly where he's going to be. He's going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you're going to walk past three really straight trees. You're going to see a crooked tree. And then that's where Jesus is going to be. And that's what happens. And so they show up here because Jesus stuck to his habits. Now, again, Jesus is fully in control of what is the passion experience, the passion moment, the Passover meal, the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew that if he so chose... To break his habit. Because again, he, he kissed Judas. He told him one that dips the bread in the same cup that I do. He's going to be the one that's going to betray me. Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew what not it was going to happen. He knew if he wanted to throw him off the scent that he should go and change up his habits. But he didn't. He didn't. He continued on in his habits. Remember last week? Last week we leaned into the life of Daniel. And we talked about how Daniel, he had these habits, and his habits, they led him into a life-threatening situation, where God the Father intervened on Daniel's behalf and saved him from roaring lions. Counteract what you see in the life of Daniel with the life of Jesus. And what you see here is, in the garden, Jesus' habits, they lead him, just like Daniel, into a life-threatening situation. But it's not run with roaring lions. It's one with religious liars. It's one where God the Father does not intervene. It's one where God the Father surpasses saving his Son so that he can save all mankind. And we see fully on display this heartfelt habit that Jesus had that said, I'm going to go and I'm going to be with my Father. And the last thing that I find myself doing will be one of the things that I've done over and over and over and over again before because there is security in this, there is confidence in this and I know that this is part of the mission that my father has me on because I have now learned it from a repeated night after night pleading with him, begging with him, seeking his will in this very garden to know that it will be in this very garden that I will be handed over so what does this mean for us? I think it means what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23. It means that what he said to all of his disciples and what he says to us. He says, if you, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, when Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23, they're like, man, what are you talking about? But when they saw him a few days after that Passover, a few days after habitually praying in the garden then being arrested by the religious liars, when they saw him actually carry his cross, this word, this this message that he gave them to say, hey, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross, not occasionally, not when it feels like it, not when there's nothing else good on Netflix to watch. He says, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross daily as a habit. Because that's what I've done. And see, one of the things I love about this, and this maybe you never realized this about habits, and we see this on display in Jesus' life. And if you're taking notes, write this down. See, healthy habits, God-honoring, gospel habits, they give us hope when life gets hard. They give us hope when life Because here's the deal. When your life has gotten the most crazy, do you know what you default to? Your habits. You don't default to your goals and your ambitions and the things you want to do. You're work like I I had some experience working with with, with people with addiction. Have some experience working with people who are suicidal tendencies. The people who are who are addicts. One of the most dangerous times in their life is when their old user buddies dies. Because that when that moment happens, that's one of the triggers for them to want to go back into using. People who are suicidal tendencies, when a famous person dies or commits suicide, that's the times when those triggers are there. Because when crazy things happen, people oftentimes default back into what those old habits were. And see, this is is why this isn't just about man, me just reading my Bible 17 times a a week, and this isn't just about praying with my wife so I can check that box off. This is the reality that, man, one day the bottom is going to fall out. And what you're gonna bounce off of when the bottom falls out, I, I hate to break it to you, is your habits. And that's why this is so important. And when we think about what we talked about last week, my hope is that you would never underestimate, that you would never, ever underestimate what God can do through and in you through one small habit being started. Last week, we talked about this idea that we want to do things different this year. Instead of starting out a year going, man, what are all the new things that I need to do? What if we start out the year going, who do I want to become? Who do I want to become? And so as we talked, talked about that, uh, where I want to go from there, as we ask, okay, who do you want to become? And you remember, okay, how many of you actually did it? You've probably been waiting to figure out whether or not I would see if you finished, your, you did your homework. Anybody bring theirs with you today? I told you to. Anybody bring it? Somebody? Okay, back there, look at you couple people. Way to go. Way to go. Awesome. Way to go. Look at you, Hillary. I see you back there. Awesome. Hey, if you were here last week, you're like, what are we talking about? Last week, I gave these out, and I said, hey, man, Take this. This is your homework this week. Instead of figuring out what I want to do this year, ask yourself the question, who do I want to become? And write this on this domino. Because again, remind you that there is a domino effect. If I'm going to get to who I believe God wants me to become, it's not going to be some big thing that just magically happens. It's going to be small, repeated things happening over and over again that creates that domino effect that leads to something totally different. So if you didn't get one of these, um, they're going to be out at the doors that you can, you, you can grab on your way out. But we ask that question, who do you want to become? And today I take it a step further and say, okay. Because of who you want to become, what one thing do you need to start? What one habit do you need to start in order to be that? Maybe for you, you're here and you say, man, man, I, I just absolutely w- would love to become someone who is grateful. I want to become someone who is grateful. And so maybe for you, it means, man, the one thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to start once a week. I'm just going to write one note to someone who I'm grateful for in my life. And here's the deal, when we think about this, when we ask this idea of, okay, who do I want to become, and what one habit do I need to start in order to get there, it doesn't have to be something big. It, it, honestly, it's, it is better off, and it is small. Like, just say, I don't want to hit the snooze button. Now, for some of that's a really big deal. I don't want to hit the snooze button. I just want to get up. For others of you, maybe, maybe, I want to, I want to actually look at my Bible before I look at my phone. For some of you, it says, I'm going to text a friend once a week. I'm going to pray with my kids before bed because I want to become a God-fearing parent, a God-honoring parent. For me, uh, I I explained this a little bit last week, I I want to be a better friend. I I feel like at my funeral, people get up and they say a lot of nice things about me. But one of the things I don't think that would be mentioned a whole lot was how good of a friend I was to them. And so this year, as we move into 2020, I just want to be a better friend. I want to actually have some deeper friends. And so a couple of habits that, that I know I'm going to implement... It's one, there's some things I got to stop doing. The reality is I spend too much time on a phone where I have 2,000 virtual friends that I passively get to observe, but I don't actually actively get to connect with. And so until further notice, I feel like God is saying, I need you to not go there. And so I'm locking myself, deleting those apps from my phone, giving Jessica the passwords to all the social media accounts so that I won't be able to look at a phone and virtually connect with a friend. And I'm setting a reminder in my phone to send two texts to two people a week. Small, simple. But I want to reach out to, I want to text two people who I want to grow in a deeper friendship with. Two people that are close by. Two people that I know those two texts won't just say we like, hey man, I'm praying for you. But we'll enter into a conversation. And I know if week after week we're actually connecting, that our friendship is actually going to grow. Because there's consistent communication. Because I'm not taking a passive role as an observer. I'm taking an active role as someone who's really in their life. And I don't know what small habit it is for you. Maybe you're saying, man, I just I need to get my I need to get back in shape. You're a shape now, but it's not the shape you want. And you say, I want to get in a different shape. Less round. And maybe for you it's small, I just, I just want to walk one mile a week. I, I, I want to I I go to the mailbox. I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe for you, it's saying, man, I want to get out of debt. And so it's, I'm going to look at the subscriptions that I have. I want to cancel some of this. I want to only eat out once a week. I, I want to do some things differently. Because, again, like we talked about, it's not our goals that will determine our success. It's the systems. And what systems need to change in your life? Now, some of you hear this, and you're like, Systems. I'm not a system person. I just like to go with the flow. Well, listen, you actually are a systems person. You have systems. You hit the snooze button seven times. You wake up late. You scream at the kids. You kick the dog. You get in the car and drive like a bat out of heck all the way to work. Putting on your makeup with wet hair. And you get there and you have a grumpy day. You get home and you grab a glass or three of wine. And you end the day with regret. You have a system. You'll either have a system by default or you'll have a system by intent. It's up to you. And so we got to choose what type of system do I want to start? What type of system do I want to create? I want to show you something. I want to show you the habit loop. All those three books that I talked about last week, uh, if you missed some of that, you can go back on the podcast and listen to it. But I talked about these three books. Every one of those books, they have, um, they lean into this thing called the habit loop. And this is how we can. Um, habits work and how we can start new ones and how we can actually initiate them to where they actually go for a while. So I'm going to show this to you, this habit loop thing. Check it out. Okay, it starts up here with a trigger, okay? This is the reminder that signals us to enter into a routine. The trigger is, I see the cake. The trigger is, no one's home. The trigger is, scrolling through Instagram. The trigger can be a, a million different things, but that's where the trigger is. You walk by the refrigerator. You get a little hungry. You get a little angry. So you have the trigger. Something that creates that thing where you're going, I want to do this. I want that. I want that. From there, there's the action. There is going from a website where people have on a little bit of clothes to one where people have on no clothes. It's eating the cake. It's yelling at the kid. It's staying late. That's the action. And then from there... There's the dopamine hit. There's the, and again, that's the science in the brain. When that thing happens, I eat the cake, um, and you get that feeling, you're like, oh, this was good. I sleep in the extra 30 minutes. This is, this is the way habits work, and this is why you have them, because there's a trigger, there's a routine, and there's a reward. And it just continues to go over and over again. So if we want to actually start good, God-honoring, healthy, gospel type of habits, I think we need to focus in on doing two things. And in your notes if you want to write it down. First one is this make the trigger obvious when we talk about the this this trigger this thing that's the start we've got to make it obvious so if you're here and you're saying man i I want to read my bible more stop sleeping next to your phone and sleep next to your bible if it means putting it under your pillow and again maybe that's weird to you put it somewhere i don't know so it's not out of sight so it's not collecting dust For some of you, if you say, man, I want want to show more gratitude to the people in my life. Maybe it's on your desk. You put a pen and a a thank you note right there on your desk. If it's, I I want to pray with my kids, then it's you consistently being home in time to actually put them down. I I don't know what it is, but you've got to make that trigger obvious right there, right out in front. For me, it's, it's, I'm taking the name of these two people that I want to become better friends with, and I, hopefully they won't ride in my car because they think it was weird, uh, but I'm going to put their names on a sticky note, and I'm going to start to pray for them. I'm going to start to reach out to them because I want to keep that in front of my face to make it obvious that that's what I'm trying to do. The second thing is I've got to make the action easy. It can't be, well, um, I'm going to go to climb Mount Everest with these two guys, and we're going to become great friends as we face the treacherous journey that is summiting the world's largest mountain. That's not a good idea. For some of you, if it's, I mean, I just want to be a person who's more in love with God. I want to be a person who's connecting to God more. Then, hey, maybe it's just reading a verse a day. I'm going to make it easy. And, and, and some of you are like, oh, he's a pastor. And he just said, all I have to read is a verse a day. Maybe you got to start somewhere. This is why I believe about God. This is why I believe about the Holy Spirit. I believe he is just good enough that if you even get a verse a day, he is powerful enough and he will whet your appetite enough that I'm confident that you may fall in love enough to go, I'm going to do two verses. I think he's that good. And I think he'd be that good to you. But you got to start somewhere. And I would say, make it easy. So if you're taking notes, uh, here's kind of a thing. you got some blanks on there. This isn't a blank where you would fill in unless you know what it is for you right now. But the phrase should go like this. I will do... Again, this is the, the action after I do blank. So for me, saying alarm on my phone. I, said, I will text the guys after the alarm on my phone to remind me. For you, I, I don't know what it is. I will read my Bible after my coffee. I will talk to my kids on the ride to school. I will pray with my wife before I go to bed. You have to have something in there, something that allows that process to actually work. You see this in Jesus' life over and over again. It's a, it's a systematic flow of things. There were, Jesus had it all laid out. He spent solitude, time away with the Father. He would then spend time with the disciples, teaching them, training them, and then he would go and serve the crowds and the masses. And you walk through the Gospels, you see that over and over again. He'd go be with the Father, he'd be with the disciples, he'd serve the people. Be with the Father, be with the disciples, serve the people. And you've got to create a system too if you want things to change there's a big um big if in this though there's kind of a hinge in this that you know is kind of the but wait there's more it's kind of the kicker and it's this thing called the holy spirit And and my fear is that some of you will try to start these things. You will try to start implementing a more Jesus-centered life. You will try to implement some of Jesus' habits, and you'll fail miserably. And and I'm I'm worried and I fear that you'll fail miserably because you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life. And you're just going to be doing behavior modifications. And so I want to show you this verse, Romans 6. We read a little bit in Romans 6 last week, but I'm going to end with this. Romans 6, 1 through 4, it says this. Paul's talking again. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So I've died to that website. I've died to overeating. I've died to lethargy. I've died to sloth. I've died to being scared of what someone may think if I actually ask them if I can pray for them. I've died to, you know, being afraid of an awkward situation with one of my brothers. I've died to that. And he says, or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Track with me here. Paul's talking about our ability to overcome sin, and then he directly connects it into this concept of baptism. These two go hand in hand. They're interlocking. In verse 4, he says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. A new life. Hear me. Some of you will fail miserably at your habits that you want to create, the things that you want to do, because you've never been baptized. And Paul makes it very clear in this passage that our ability comes directly through our participating in the very thing that Christ did. Through baptism, through going, being buried for our old life, being raised up to a new life. And there are some of you here today and you've never been baptized. And I would say that the only hope that you have in living out a God-honoring life, of having these habits in place to where things actually would change, is to start out the way that God's word asks us to start out. That says this is your only hope in starting out. And that's starting out through entering into the waters of baptism, and being united with Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, and then being raised up to give what? Put that verse up there. We too may live a new life. friend i would just say as simply as i can if you have not been baptized yet then your new life starts in there and i want to invite you into that i'm going to be down here i'd love to talk with you again you you don't have to make that decision you can make that decision today you can let me know whenever but hear me on this if you have not been baptized i'll baptize you today i don't care like we'll we'll make it happen we have all the things that you need towels um things i'm not supposed to mention. Shorts, t-shirts, all that stuff. We have everything that we need to do that today. The question is, do you want a new life to start today or not, though? And if you don't, then just have your old life again for another day. But if you want a new life, you want the power and the potential to be able to live a new life from here on out, then it starts up there. And I invite you into that today. And if that's you, man, again, I'll be down here. I'd love to enter into that with you. I'll be around after the service. Come up and talk to me. We'll we'll find a day. We'll schedule something out. But I want it to start there. Because that's where Jesus said it needs to. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the gift of eternal life that is given to us through faith. We, We thank you for the reality that we see on display, Jesus, through what you did. When you lived out your habits. And you said, I'm still going to the garden. I'm still going to pray because I want to make a way where there was no way, where their sin and their everything else always got in the way of the relationship with the Father. I want to do something that will connect them there. And I pray that your people today would move. I pray for that person here today who's just going back and forth and weighing out the pros and cons and they're nervous about what people are going to think, that you would just invite them, Jesus, to trust you and to surrender and to take on the new life that you have for them and to trust that it will be better than anything they've ever experienced yet. In your name.